And welcome to Sullivan Stories with your host, Tom Castle. And our special guest this week is Paul Peliquin. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you tonight? Oh, just fine. Just fine. Where are you right now? Are you, uh, are you on a ship? Are you ashore? What do you have? What are you up to? Oh, I'm ashore. I've been ashore now for years. I swallowed the anchor long, long time ago. Uh, but uh, currently, I ended up here in the outskirts of Denver, Colorado, uh, for the winter after spending the last six months traveling the country after getting my COVID shots and decided to hop in my car and do a big lap. <laughs> oh, so where have you been? Uh, well, I was doing the math earlier, and I uh, since July, I've been to 37 states. Fantastic. Are you doing some kind of like RV thing? Are you driving or what? Oh, no, I'm, I'm driving around a little Ford Escape, a little four-door. Uh, in the last three years, I've put almost 100,000 miles on the car, uh, just driving around and, you know, reconnecting with my past. That is cool. Now, when and where did you start in Tall Ships? Uh, that's a fun one. I actually started in 1995 on the Mystic Whaler in Mystic, Connecticut with Captain John Edgington. And as a coincidence had it, I was in Mystic, Connecticut this fall, just a couple months ago, or a month ago, uh, when the Mystic Whaler was sold. And I got to be there and help re-rig her so she could sail south. Uh, you know, they let me come out and play for a day, um, where I discovered I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> My knees and back are not like they used to be. <laughs> Uh, but they let me play on the day, you know, let me play for the day. And, you know, well, the young kids went aloft and actually hung everything. I was, I was the schlepper, as I like to say it, and uh, just started carrying things around and lining things up. So, wow. but she headed south. Um, they, there was a buyer that they dealt with off and on for at least a year. And then finally everything, you know, all the pieces came together this fall and Bada boom, bada bing. They were all set. They already had the winter cover on and Mystic. And then suddenly here we are at the tail end of October in Mystic Seaport, taking the cover off the boat. And people oh. you know, going by in their boats, you know, saying very colorful language of, you know, what are you bleep bleep doing? Because <laughs> uh, Captain John kept, kept the sail very quiet. It was uh, even all, you know, it was only made semi-public about seven days before she left the port. And where is she going to end up? She's going to end up on the West Coast um, with some kind of museum. I'm not sure exactly where. So uh, Captain John put together a delivery crew uh, and sailed her south somewhere in Florida, where she was then going to be put on a transport taken through the Panama Canal all the way out to the West Coast, then wherever her new home is. I, I really should have done my research to have an answer to that question. I oh, we'll definitely look that up. Yeah, that yeah. sounds interesting. So, and, uh, but you know, for, from my understanding, you know, now Captain John gets to finally retire. You know, he's got a nice little, you know, private powerboat. Uh, him and his wife are planning on sailing off in the sunset, I guess, for lack of a better story. <laughs> oh, literally. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you started on, on the whaler, but how did you end up getting interested in tall ships? Um, in I was being a, I, w I was waiting tables outside of Washington, D.C. in a town called Gaithersburg. And uh, turned out the general manager of the restaurant used to be a tall ship captain and used to work with Captain John back in the 80s on the Mystic Whaler. And one boring, slow Sunday afternoon, the America's Cup was on. And the general manager, his name's Richard Whalen. If you've got some really old 
schooner people maybe recognize that name from the 80s oh. um he was given a play-by-play -play the america's cup i knew nothing about sailing but i've always been a smart ass and i you know was behind him and i was like 26 maybe 27 at the time and i'm like you know, what the bleep do you know about sailing you're a restaurant manager well he rattled off his resume <laughs> In such a matter, I basically felt like a dog who just peed on the carpet and got swatted across the nose with a newspaper. <laughs> and I tucked my tail and walked away and just kept thinking about it through the rest of my shift. And at the end of the night, when I cashed out, I asked him very bluntly, I'm like, do these boats still exist? And if so, can you get me on one? And you know, like most people who have done this type of work, you absolutely love it when someone shows interest in it. And he perked up and, you know, he like, you know, he'd been out of it for a good 10 years. You know, he got married, had kids, you know, hence why he had a real job. And, uh, and he just said, you know, I can make phone calls, but I won't do it unless you're absolutely serious, Paul. Mm. And at that time, I didn't have much going on in my life. I was in my mid twenties. I'd already graduated as a high school history teacher and already tried that. Knew I didn't like it. Um, you know, I was just waiting tables outside of DC. I had a apartment with roommates i know you got a bunch of bleeps there now yes <laughs> yeah you know, doing everything that people in their mid-20s do wrong and you know, that's what i told him I'm like you know me i got nothing going on here if you can get me somewhere that's great well he made a few phone calls and two weeks later he put me in his car and he drove me from dc up to connecticut and <laughs> dropped me off at the mystic whaler and along the way of course i'm being very thankful and i'm you know i think we're somewhere along the jersey turnpike and it's raining outside it you know it's just a torrential downpour i feel terrible this guy is driving me all the way to connecticut and i tell him you know, i'm thanking him as well paul to be honest with you i was sick of your sh within two weeks you weren't going to be in my restaurant anymore i think you need this so i'm helping you out oh like, excellent well, okay so now driving through the rest of northern jersey i'm quiet as the mouse and so we get to mystic and it's I don't, it was already after dark and you know he immediately takes me to john's because you know if you're a mystic you got to go to john's it's just a shame that bar is no longer in existence it's actually oh. a vacant lot now and uh we went in and the cook at the time turns out he was in the bar uh an old you know salty cook who was actually a marine drill sergeant back in the day first name of james i can't remember his last name uh, he passed away a few years ago, a good 10 years ago in Connecticut. And it, it was a big deal when he passed away because so many people had worked through him over the years. And unbeknownst to me at one point, you know, when I must have gone to use the bathroom, Richard had a little powwow with James and said, fix him. You know, and if you tell a retired drill, Marine drill corps sergeant to fix somebody, yeah, they're going to do that. <laughs> Um, James was known as Yes James, and I was known as Hey Paul. Didn't matter what James needed, he would just bellow out at the top of his lungs, Hey Paul. <laughs> and I'd go, I'd go running wherever I was. You know, it was like an all hands on deck call, except I'm running to the galley. And one day in particular, when I finally had enough, uh, he had actually called me down to get a stick of butter out of the reefer for him, and I finally lost it. And just <laughs> and he just started laughing. He's like, God damn, I've been waiting for a week for you to lose it. I can't believe you took it this long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So, so what, do yeah. You, what do you wish you knew when you started that you know now? 
Oh God. Um, yeah, I, I, I've had a lot of fun listening to the other podcasts and everyone else's answer on this. One of the earliest ones, a uh, young lady kept talking about patience. Mm. I, I can't remember her name. I think it was like the first or second episode that you did, but mm -hmm. that one really stuck with me. And I mean, patience is something I've struggled with my entire life, you know, not even on boats. Uh, I'm a grumpy old man. I was a grumpy old man in my 20s. <laughs> So uh, I'm sure some of my old crewmates have some other colorful words for that. But <laughs> yeah, so yes, the patience. The other one is, and you know, I'm going to give away my age here. Um, you know, we didn't have social media back in the 90s. You know, and, and we didn't have digital photographs. You know, you actually had to take real photos. And that cost money. So my biggest regret is the lack of photos, you know, from the 90s and into uh, the early 2000s. You know, before digital cameras came around, you know, it's I've, you know, it's people, you know, I've sailed with their crewmates for six months. I've got like one photo of, them, you know, and that's oh, it. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, definitely. Things like that. You know, that's I really regret the lack of. Yeah, you know, I've got all the memories, or at least I hope I got all the memories still in my brain. Uh, but I don't, I don't have as many of the photos. Um, what resources helped you when you started out? I mean, mentors or. <laughs> or books or, you know, who was that person that took you aside and went, Hey, this is what you need to know. Well, I already mentioned James the cook, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, uh, well, my first stint on the whaler, I was only there for two months. I, I showed up uh, right at Labor Day. Uh, you know, I, I caught that wave where the college kids just went back to school. So they had an opening down in the galley oh. and, uh, you know, so I finished out the season, you know, those first two months. And it turned out that was actually, that was the first full season that Captain John owned the boat and operated the boat. So I, I had, I had the distinction of being there at the beginning and I was there at the end, uh, which was a kind of new, kind of a cool combo. And uh, it was, you know, when she sailed away, you know, he caught like the eight o'clock bridge opening out of Mystic and, you know, he, as little fanfare as possible. And, uh, you know, so I managed to get a bunch of photos going underneath the bridge and, you know, they, there was an old tradition of throwing pancakes at the bridge tender as you went by, he'd hold a big fishing net out and <laughs> that guy actually caught a couple photos of that and he caught the pancake and, uh, and then I got a really nice one, uh, actually a video as she went around the final bends in the mystic river and I could no longer see her. And, uh, but yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's neck and neck between, you know, the Mystic Whaler and then the Sullivan, you know, they kind of bookended my uh, tall ship career. Oh, okay. And then what was, um, how did you come to the Dennis Sullivan? Um, I ended up on the Sullivan the very first uh, summer season of 2001. I got on board in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, as the original crew that had gone down south was bringing her back up. That's when I first met Mark Crutcher, and I got on board in Erie. It was uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, talk about a burnt out crew. <laughs> this crew, I I took one look at them and I was like, oh god. And you know, and I knew all we were doing is, you know, I I I just I was available, so I got on early and you know to help get her to Milwaukee. And then once we were in Milwaukee, it was going to be a complete crew change, hmm. except for me. And so I went into it knowing, I'm like, okay, I've got about 10 days, bunch of crunchy sailors. They're going to be easy to piss off. Your entire task is not to piss anyone off for 10 days. And that's how I went into it. <laughs> Luckily for me, 
there was a brand new green cook who joined me at the same time. And well, I knew he was going to piss everybody off. <laughs> so I just kept my mouth shut and let him annoy everybody. And then sure enough, one day, you know, we're aloft and, you know, you, you had all kinds of stuff earlier about folks rules. Well, anyone who's been in the Dennis Sullivan folks will knows almost every bunk is a different size. There are certain bunks that are great to have and other bunks that just suck. <laughs> well, me and the cook, I'm sorry, the cook and I, uh, we decided, you know, we both wanted one of the nice bunks. Well, the cook outranked me as a deckhand and he played that card. And I went, no problem, the bunk shares. And I went to one of those, you know, upper starboard bunk or something like that that I barely fit in. And I'm like, I can only, I can do this for 10 days. So one day we're up aloft. I think we were in Charlevoix at that point. Uh, Alex Ott, I may, I may be mispronouncing his last name, uh, but he was part of that crunchy crew and he went on to pride. And, you know, he had a good career from my understanding. Hmm. We're up aloft furling the Rafi and, you know, he, he was bitching about the cook. And he's like, you know, he's, how come you just let him have that bunk? And I just looked at him. I'm like, hey, is, uh, what do you guys think about the cook? You, 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 like, you guys like him? He's like, oh, man, we hate him. I'm like, what do you guys think about me? You like me? He's like, oh, man, you're cool. And I just smiled. And he goes, you're an aren't you? <laughs> like, yes, I am. <laughs> and, it, and the cook didn't even make it to Milwaukee. He walked, he walked off the boat, you know, like two days before we even got to Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause at one point he like, you know, I, I don't feel bad talking about this story. Cause I know the guy never worked in the tall ship industry afterwards, <laughs> uh, but apparently this is what Alex had told me when they had confronted him about, Hey, how come you kicked Paul out of that bunk? You know, he tried to say, I outrank all of you. And like pointing right at the first man, cause I could take your bunk if I wanted to. Oh, really? Yeah. So you know, I'm sure anyone right now who's been working on boats for a while is hopefully laughing hysterically at this story <laughs> about, yeah, definitely, you know, don't fight over bunks if you're going on a tall ship. <laughs> so how long were you on the Dennis Sullivan and what, what uh, positions did you have? And Oh, okay. Um, well, I was there for the summer of 2001 and uh, I, I had almost every position that summer, it seemed. Uh, at one point, I was first mate, and then we brought in a, a first mate that was qualified to be first mate, and then I went down to second mate. Um, and then at some point, by the end of the season, the first mate left, and then I was back up at first mate <laughs> uh, for that. And um, at one point on another stint, I was the engineer down south. Like I did a, I did a winter season out of Tampa. Well, I got on board in Tampa. And it was one of the seasons where we were doing college trips to the Bahamas and back. Uh, mm. So we were working out of Riviera Beach, just north of uh, Palm Beach, is where we were based out of. You know, we'd pick up the kids and then we'd go across to the Bahamas and back. And we were doing that all winter long. And oh, that that yeah. was that was that was probably the funnest time I I ever had on a boat. And because I got on board the day after Christmas in Tampa Bay. And stayed for the entire winter season, did the transit back north. And that was the year we went all the way out to the mouth of the St. Lawrence and all the way up to St. Lawrence. Oh, man. And got back to Milwaukee sometime in July, um, was there for about a week or two. And then, you know, then they were fully staffed up again. And I 
went back to Michigan where I'm originally from. And I think that was the year I was actually coaching high school football and I was a substitute high school history teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I had tried to go back, go back to teaching. I thought maybe I had grown up enough by that point, you know, that I could try to use my college degree. And yeah, I I found out, nope, it's, you're not, you're not still not ready for it. I, I definitely get I definitely get that. Um, what tall ship myth would you like to debunk, if any? Luckily, it's not that uh, that bad of a one anymore. But especially when I first got into it, that were all a bunch of stoners getting high out on the ocean and sailing around. Uh, yeah. In the mid '90s, that myth was still there. Of course, I was around the time when they started making us do the DOT five-panel Coast Guard drug testing. Um, so. You know, I guess the myth is now actually, you know, working on sailboats, that's that's usually when the sailors are, you know, they're soberest and they're cleanest because they're held accountable. Yes. So at least that was my experience. Mm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, working on the boats, those are always the, uh, yeah, yeah, those are always the soberest and cleanest times of my life. Interesting. Yeah. So what advice would you have for people interested in sailing, either as a professional or as a volunteer? Uh, well, like everybody else said, yeah, first step is to volunteer, or if you're lucky enough, like I did, to meet somebody who has connections, and, and this goes for anything in life, if you meet someone who has connections that interests you, take advantage of it. Mm. It doesn't matter what that interest is, if you meet someone that can help you along that path, take advantage of it. Take advantage of the opportunities that are handed to you. Absolutely. What does the term shipmate mean to you? <laughs> I've been waiting for this question. <laughs> it, um, it was only on the Mystic Whaler that they had this phrase. And it was something, it was called MAS, M-A-S. And it was what the first mate, you know, caught me. He was like, we have this thing, it's called MAS. It's called the Mutual Admiration Society. It's like, we're all crew on this boat. We're all here to have a good time. Da, 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 da. You know, our free time's always very important. And if a crewmate has something happening on a day off and they need some help or, you know, whatnot, it's, if they call mass, I mean, they're basically calling you out saying, Hey, I need you to help me with this. And, you know, it could be something big like that, or it could be just something as simple as, Hey, two of you are at the bar and you're both interested in the same person. Well, one person calls the other one off. (laughs) 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 Things like that. And it's, you know, it's all about, you know, you respect your crewmates first before anyone else off the boat and if you have a way to help that crewmate out you're supposed to do that what's your favorite dennis sullivan story whether you were in it or not oh that's oh it's hard to narrow it down to one i know but was, yeah, you know, maybe, really just the first one that co- maybe just the first one that comes to mind um well that first summer in 2001 we attended uh the first tall ship event uh for the sullivan in muskegon michigan Hmm. And uh, I'm originally from Michigan, so I had finagled a couple days off where I went home to Michigan and I met them in Muskegon. And part of the finagling was, well, for the tall ship party after the event, since I lived in Michigan, I was responsible to bring the keg. Ah. I, I had to go buy the beer. <laughs> and I was reimbursed, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I show up in Muskegon at a big tall ship event. And somehow end up commandeering a golf cart, which I then load 
at least one keg, if not two kegs, I can't remember how many I bought, where the golf cart, where the golf clubs go and strap them in. And now I'm driving through the crowd <laughs> with at least one keg strapped on the back of a golf cart. And as I'm going, I start seeing my other crewmates and they're hopping into the golf cart. So the next thing you know, by the time we get to the boat, I've got like five people hanging off a golf cart. I'm showing up with a keg of beer. <laughs> and that was one of the best receptions I ever had arriving at a boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, and then, I, you know, then we had to hide the keg until the event was all over, of course. And you know, then we broke it out. And uh, the first mate at the time, uh, he had been around on a bunch of other boats like I had. And you know, especially that first season in Milwaukee on the Dennis Sullivan, it was the captain and myself uh, for quite a while until that one first mate showed up. We were the only two that had any tall ship experience. Everybody else was just green. And uh, yeah, because it was the first season. Yeah. So that, that was interesting. Uh, so at that tall ship event, you know, that, that first mate, you know, he, uh, first name, Dan, I, I cannot remember his last name. Uh, he ended up living in New London, Connecticut. That was the last time I'd heard of him. Uh, but um, he really kind of took it upon himself to try to teach the, the culture of tall ships to the green crew. So I, I remember the, later that night, he was taking them out where uh, basically they were boarding the other tall ships and running from one side to the other to get the boat to rock <laughs> to, to wake up the other crew members on those boats. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was his idea of pranking the other boats and, ah yes and as you know there's a lot worse ways to prank boats <laughs> there's some legendary ones I, I remember hearing about but uh, yeah <clears throat> that's definitely it oh so what other boats were you on uh between the whaler and dennis sullivan or after uh, I, had dennis to, sullivan? I had to write these down <laughs> oh yeah so um yeah so the first boat was the mystic whaler that was fall of 95 uh, my second boat was the Manitou out of Traverse City in Northport, Michigan. Oh, yes. I was on board her for the full season of 1996. That was my first full season on a boat. Uh, then 97, I got to be part of a delivery crew for Clipper City. Uh, she was uh, doing a winter maintenance in Jacksonville, Florida, and I helped deliver her to Baltimore. Sorry, Baltimore. Yep. There's no T in Baltimore. Yep. And uh, so I got to be part of that delivery. And then... That summer, you know, because like most people who work on tall ships, you rarely do it year round. So you have to have an off season gig. So for years, I would work in a restaurant. You know, I'd always find, you know, some friend who had a couch or a spare room, crash at their place, get a job at a restaurant, just wait till the next boat job showed up. So that particular time, I started working for TGI Fridays. And at the time, they had a program called passporting, where if you could convince your GM to sign the paperwork, I could show up at any Fridays around the country, show my paperwork, and I could pick up a shift waiting tables that night. Whoa. So, yeah. And yet again, take advantage of the opportunities that are handed to you. <laughs> so I was, I was living in Dayton, Ohio at the time, sleeping on a friend's couch, <laughs> working at Fridays. And I convinced the GM to give me one of these things and ended up part of that was I helped move that friend from Ohio to Seattle. And I drove his U-Haul and along the way, I would just, pull over in a town and, you know, pick, pick up a shift, you know, waiting tables and work my way, you know, and uh, so I was doing that for the summer and I stopped by Clipper City um, 
just to say hi to a, a friend from Ohio that I'd gotten a job on the boat, a brand new green deckhand, you know, who's interested. And I made the phone call and sent her down to Baltimore. Wow. I, I stopped in to say hi and see how she was doing. Well, I replaced her. <laughs> she decided she had enough and she realized, hey, there's someone qualified here who can take my spot. I don't have to feel bad leaving. Well, she left and the next thing I knew, I was a deckhand on, the Cl on Clipper City in the Inner Harbor. And earlier you had started asking, I know it's one of your standard questions, what was your biggest failure? Well, it was my time on the Clipper City. It was... Um, uh, anyone who's worked on different boats or under different captains, every boat has its own feel, its own culture, its own way of doing things. Well, it was the, on the Manatee when I worked there, I was taught, I mean, it was very safe, but it was very regimented, you know. Uh, <laughs> and um, I took that mentality to the Clipper City, which was a day boat in the inner harbor of Baltimore. And the a very early nickname that some of the crew members gave me was deck Nazi. Ah. Um, so I ended up leaving that boat because myself and the engineer uh, almost came to blows down below in the Clipper city. And if anyone's been down below in the Clipper city in the main salon, there's a lot of glass cabinets and there's a lot, there's a lot of things that can break if two big idiots decide to throw punches. And oh luckily enough neither one of us threw a punch thank god uh but i packed my one sea bag and i was off the boat that night <laughs> oh man i used to play down at the cat's eye pub down in oh the cat's eye pub <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah i've been there a few times <laughs> and uh and i run i ran into steven's bunker up in maine china mm -hmm. sea trading company remember that Oh. and um yeah that i had some fantastic times i remember uh, the nighthawk being down there too what's that the nighthawk i do not remember that boat that was okay. a little schooner that was down fell's point and there okay. was a fellow there named frank who was um uh who was a successful lawyer who drank himself into a, a sad state mm -hmm. almost actually almost to a suicidal state and he started singing sea shanties and they hired him on to be the shanty man of the nighthawk and he wow. said it saved his life and he would come into the cat's eye and he would sing oh i forget which one it was sacramento or or some it was a particular shanty and uh and he was just an amazing guy he was just fantastic and it was wow. one of the schooners wow. in baltimore and singing yeah. sea shanties that saved his life it was amazing yeah, it's but, usually the other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, yeah, there's some great, great memories yeah. from down there for sure. Yeah. And uh, Tiffany was kind enough to invite me out. Uh, they were doing the tall ship event in Duluth, and then they had the tall ship event in Erie. Mm -hmm. She invited me out uh, to be a volunteer crew from Duluth to Erie. Uh, because Excellent. she was aware of the fact that lake superior was the only great lake i'd never been on ah so, so you she, got your your sturgeon she uh gave me the opportunity to check that off my list and it was Sweet. A, an amazing time and uh and i know everybody else uh in every other episode has sung tiffany's praises and uh i will add my poor voice to that choir uh if, if you really want to know a mentor just like everybody else yep got to put tiffany up there 
she she helped me out a lot on a lot of those problems that I've been talking about with patients and you know it's used <laughs> to have a knack of pulling men's heads out of there and uh, I'm gonna have to figure out how to edit this one <laughs> <laughs> just put a parental warning at the beginning and just let it fly <laughs> oh there you go I like that, I like that. <laughs> oh thanks so much and Thank you for being on Sullivan Stories. If you're a past or current professional crew member and like to be on the podcast or just have a story you'd like to share, write me at tom at tomcastle.com. That's T-O-M at T-O-M-K-A-S-T-L-E.com. Thanks, Paul. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, thanks for letting an old man babble about his old sea stories. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Uh, have a great night.